Good morning. morning. If you want to turn to the book of James chapter 4, we'll read verses 1 through 10. And uh, I kind of had some difficulty with preparing for this. Lots of different directions we could have taken, different thoughts. And so I don't know, we might be re-engaging some of these uh, verses again in the coming weeks. But for today, we're going to talk about conflict. Defeating conflict or conquering conflict, and uh, how does seem like there's a lot of conflict? Uh, why is that? And James gives us some reasons here, and so we'll look at uh, maybe the cure for it, uh, something we can do to uh, avoid conflict or to get right uh, after dealing with conflict. But James chapter four, well, actually, so the. The whole idea, if you go back to chapter 2, sorry, I kind of got ahead of myself here. It says, Yea, a man may say, verse 18 in chapter 2, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and ha- I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my, thy faith by my works. And so we've been talking kind of a, lot, a little bit about a working faith and what does that look like. And I think you can't deny that uh, a faith or Walking in faith or with works takes relationships. Uh, Whether that's relationships among others, uh, in the church body, in our community, uh, our relationship with God. uh, But oftentimes there's conflict that rises up in those relationships. And and there's difficulty or challenges, frustrations. And and so how do we manage those? Uh, Some of us have had conflict with someone in the last year. I know I have. Uh, maybe in the last month, perhaps some folks had some conflict on the way to Sunday school this morning. Um, that can happen. Uh, you know, I've, I've experienced that kind of conflict. Uh, as unpleasant as it can be, but that's just the reality. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to look at a couple things, four things, really, on how to deal with or to conquer it. And uh, so, well, three things, and then there's one, the latter part has four points to that as well. So I guess it's seven. Um, Lord willing, we'll get through it. Uh, But if we're going to, we better read this and get started. So James chapter four, verse one, from whence comes wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, Ye fight and war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace... Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I know it's been a busy week, and I just pray that you will help us to uh, set the cares of the week and, and the things ahead aside for a few moments that we might focus on your word and 
I pray that you'd bless your word as it goes forth, that you would give power, uh, liberty, Lord, and that your word would have free course in the hearts of the people this morning. And Lord, that you would just help us, uh, Lord, to be humble and submissive to you in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would just do a work in each and every heart today. Bless your word as it goes forth in Jesus' name. All right, so James chapter 4 here, the cause of conflict. And uh, I was pondering that a little bit. And uh, if I'm honest, I think I would have to admit a lot of times in my home, the cause of conflict is me uh, and my attitude. Um, And I think the reality is all of us could admit that uh, because it's due to our selfish desires. Uh, We want it our way. Uh, We don't want to concede or to give in and and, if, and men, listen, if you're not, I'm not even preaching about to the fathers necessarily today, but if you uh, want to be domineering and, and just overly assertive and aggressive, uh, you can bring people in line in your home. Uh, but you need to be careful because it tends not to show the love of the Heavenly Father. And so uh, don't forget uh, one of the things, and listen, don't misunderstand me. I think there needs to be uh, discipline in the home and there needs to be order in the home uh, but just don't ever forget how much God loves you and how patient he is with you and be willing to extend that to your children and, and you're commanded to love your wife period uh, so if you're not demonstrating love to your wife you're in sin no doubt no question um, but I think we can say that same argument for how we deal with our children well, we ought to be loving them Anyway, but the cause of conflict. James reveals uh, the reason for for conflict or for feuding. In verse 1 of this chapter, it says, From whence come wars and fighting among you? Come they not hence, even of your lusts that war in your members? Uh, The cause of it is the lust that's in our members. And that word there, lusts, indicates a craving for sensual delight. Uh, Our personal satisfaction. Uh, if you will, it can be desire for pleasure, uh, prestige, possessions, maybe prominence. Uh, he kind of continues to elaborate in uh, verse 2 in the first part of that verse. It says, you lust and have not. And look at these desires for these things, this, this lust for these things, for the pleasure, the prestige, the possessions, or these prominence, or whatever, uh, these desires... It says, you lust and have not. Look at what it says. It will drive people to kill. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war. And we have a warning here that if we're not careful, the lusts within us will drive us to murder. Uh, We don't like to admit that, but that's the reality of it. Uh, We don't like to admit that we are that depraved. Uh, we think that's the people that are on the streets or those are the people that are in the jailhouse. But the reality is those things are within our carnal nature as well. Uh, and we would be, do well to remind ourselves of that. And uh, <clears throat> You have the ability to kill within you. Don't think you're above it. Uh, and, and remember, God gives grace to those. Do you realize Moses was a murderer? And what did God do with him? Miracles, amazing things.
And so I want to remind you that the sin that you equate as smaller or less significant to the other people that you're comparing yourself against, which is not wise, but that's how we do it. We compare ourselves among these people. Uh, what is within you and the sin that you've committed is just as wicked. And that sin sent Christ to the cross just like the sin of murder. So don't think that you're better than anyone. Uh, you're not. And we'll get to it. The, this, this passage deals with humility. Uh, and so <clears throat> it's within us. These things that James describes here are so strong that it leads to murder. And we have these desires and, and we cannot obtain. Uh, have you ever heard the story or a story of somebody being murdered so they could be robbed? And they have empty pockets. Think about it. Somebody was desiring so much to have what they had that they took a life and they end up with nothing or insignificant amounts of money. Uh, you cannot obtain. Uh, listen, <clears throat> in and of ourselves, when we desire to get those things that we're lusting after, it leads to emptiness. we can run ourselves ragged seeking all those things that we feel like will meet our desires, the things that we lust after, whether it's possessions or money, prestige, a position. We cannot obtain. It will come up empty every time if we're doing it in our own power, in our flesh. <clears throat> People commit all kinds of evil in pursuit of their selfish desires. Jesus taught the commandment against murder applies equally to anger. So I know most in here probably are not murderers. I understand. Maybe somebody is. I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting thought that we could have a murderer amongst our midst. And based on the teachings of Christ here, I would say that we are all murderers. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Uh, Jesus taught the, the commandment against murder applies to anger here. It says, Matthew in chapter 5 and verse 21, it says, Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And verse 22, he goes on to, to say, But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. Have you ever got frustrated with somebody and got angry at them? And realized you really didn't have any reason to. I've been there. You're just as guilty as somebody that may have taken a life. Uh, that same emotion that drove somebody to murder is within each and every one of us. And we demonstrate it uh, with anger and how we lash out at times. So we know that uncontrolled desires can lead to physical murder. And, and really, there's rarely a day that goes by that you don't hear about that in the news. Uh, people kill people for all kinds of uh, unreally believable things. Uh, money, uh, jealousy, uh, we could go on and on here, but um, <clears throat> when we get angry with someone, uh, oftentimes we're just guilty of verbal assassination. Right? We, we say those things, and we talked about the tongue, but uh, we don't usually physically 
uh, assault them or kill them. Uh, but when we harbor that anger, that resentment towards someone, uh, we've actually killed them in our hearts, and we're guilty. Uh, and you need to understand that. And uh, <clears throat> at the very least, unfulfilled selfish desires lead us to murderous thoughts. I want to ask you to raise your hand this morning. Anybody thought about killing somebody? I have. What a shame. We just think we're better than those because we use words. We hold bitterness in our hearts against them. That is within each and every one of us. You're no better than anyone else on this earth. All because of our own selfish desire do these things take place. Why do we have so much conflict in our marriages? Because the husband is selfish. Because the wife is selfish. And I know if your marriage is anything like mine, I am more guilty of it than my wife. Conflict in marriage, conflict in our homes. Kids want their way. It creates conflict. You got to beat them into submission. Um, But it creates conflict because of our selfish, lustful desires within us. Conflict at work. The boss wants it his way. And all we can think of, he's so disconnected from reality, he's not down here executing what needs to be done. He has no idea what's going on. We need to do it this way. Well, if he's giving you a paycheck, just do it his way. It's his business. Let him do it his way. If it's less efficient, he can pay you for more <laughs> to the time, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, a, a good employee is going to give insight and advice and, and show rooms for improvement. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, as a Christian laborer, you need to say, listen, boss, uh, we might be, if we can't do it uh, this way that I think is more efficient, you know what, I'll just do it your way. Uh, and, and save your testimony instead of creating conflict in the workplace. Uh, you, it's hard to have a testimony when you're the, uh, the guy that's always creating conflict at work. Well, trust me, I know, I've been there. Uh, boy, how about church? Creating conflict in the church because we want it our way. We've all heard those crazy stories. It's hard for me to even believe because I've never been a part of a church like that. But where they roof the church and this side is green and this side is blue or brown or whatever because there was such division in the church. Conflict because selfish desire. How foolish. Uh, We're infighting in the church. We can't even decide what color we're going to roof our facility. There's no way we're going to reach those people around us. Because if that's in here, I guarantee you those people aren't the testimony they ought to be in the community. They're the ones creating the conflict at the workplace. Their homes are in chaos and confusion. Uh, Listen, we're selfish people by nature. God help us. The cause of conflict is us. Uh, I said this a couple weeks ago, and some people didn't know. You know, right? 
And now you know, knowing's half the battle. If we could just understand where the problem is right here, then maybe we could begin to deal with that. Uh, <clears throat> Proverbs 13.10, only by pride cometh contention. It's all because we're prideful and we're selfish and self-centered and we want it our way. Conflict is caused by pride or ego. Uh, I don't know who said this, but ego stands for edging out God. They said that kind of of dorky, but it, it makes sense. But edging him out of our lives and our desires, right? Just try to push him out, put him away, uh, not submitting to his authority in our life. And uh, listen, when Cindy and I have conflict, it's because I am right and she is wrong and she's too proud to admit it. Come on, brother. <laughs> right? But that's our attitude, right? She would say the same thing about me. Uh, the reality is we're prideful. We want it our way. Uh, and, and that's just not real life. And Listen, if we're going to claim to be Christians and we're claiming to, uh, attempting to be conformed to the image of Christ, that's completely contrary to what we see in our Savior. He gave up heaven. He became a servant. He gave his life. He humbled himself. <clears throat> Selfish desires create a disaster area in our life. Look at chapter, or verse 2, not chapter 2, but verse 2, the latter part. It says, you have not because you ask not. Uh, I know when I'm lifted up in pride or selfishness and things, and uh, it tends to hinder my prayer life. I don't ask for those things because I know they're really not God's will. I, I just want to consume it upon my own lusts. Uh, and when you ask, or, and when we do ask, we do not receive them. In verse 3 it says, you ask and receive not because... You ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. Listen, people that are self-centered and lifted up in pride are not walking with God as they ought to. They're not filled with the Spirit. They're not in tune with the will of God in their life. Uh, The Bible gives us many promises about prayer. Oftentimes there's a premise there uh, whether or not our prayers will be answered and uh, hinges on our attitude when we pray. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the attitude of God, or the attitude God requires is seen in John, 1 John 5.14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Did you hear that part? According to His will. Uh, if we're lifted up in our selfishness, in, in the lusts of our flesh, and in our pride we're not going to be asking of those things that are in the will of God. We're going to be missing out uh, because we're not following our Savior. God's not going to hear our prayers. He's not going to definitely not going to answer our selfish prayers at the expense of others. I'm not telling you not to pray for your family, not to pray for health and a job and education and those things. And I believe God wants us to be happy and enjoy life. He wants us to have an abundant life, the Word of God tells us. But in order to have an abundant life, you don't have to have all the things. Uh, And that can be a tough lesson to learn. Uh, 
but it's a lesson that I believe God takes us through it. Uh, at some point in our lives and at different levels for different people. If we want our prayers answered, we need to remember Psalm 37.4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So that's where it kind of meshes with, you know, we have to forsake our selfish desires and our lusts and begin walking with God and uh, living for Him and He will create in us these desires, and so our prayers will line up with His will. It's pretty simple. It's not complicated, but I think we forget the Lord's model prayer, as we often call it, where it says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as in heaven. So they address God with, we want things done your way. But I'm afraid that's not how we always go to prayer. We go to prayer asking amiss that we might consume it upon our own lusts. We're not praying that God's will in heaven would be done in earth. Oftentimes we approach the throne of God and say, God, I want you to fix my car. It's broke. And I'm not saying God doesn't want to fix your car. But what I'm saying is, maybe God doesn't want to fix your car. Lord, fix my family. God wants to fix your family. But maybe our lives are so crowded out with the lusts of the world that we're not following and we're serving Him anyway. We're not asking that because we want to honor God with our life. We're asking that just because we want God to make everything sunshine and butterflies. And if, I want, if we want to turn back to James chapter 1, I'm going to remind you, James, a servant of God and of Lord Jesus Christ, of the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. Look what it says. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God allows these things in our life to work on us. And so, listen, how do you approach God in prayer? Is dependent on your heart's desire. Oftentimes, it's out of a selfish motive to get something that we want. It's not that God would let patience have her perfect work, that we may be perfect in entire wanting, not that God would mature us and grow us and conform us to be more like Christ. We just want easy street. We want God to pay the bills on time. We want God to keep the car running. We want God to keep the kids in line. We want God to give us the nicest boss that gives us bonuses and raises us on a regular basis. But the reality is that's not what God does. That's not how God works. <clears throat> So when we go to God, we need to be praying that His will would be done. And that will be different for every single person in this room. 
How God works in each life individually is different. So again, don't compare yourself amongst others. Well, God, you did such and such for so and so. Can you do that for me? God doesn't have that work for you. God's doing something different in your life to conform you to be like Christ, to make you perfect, and to grow you to be what God wants you to be. So don't lose sight of that. The cause of conflict relationally and spiritually is our selfish desires. We create conflict with our physical relationships and with our Heavenly Father because we're selfish. And we're lusting after those things that God never intended us to have. So number two this morning, the consequences of conflict. Look at verses four and five. The adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy So those selfish desires obviously cause conflict with other people, but conflict with God. James describes those uh, consequences of these selfish desires, and uh, they lead to the writing there where it says, ye adulterers and adulteresses. And uh, this is an interesting thought, and I don't think I'm going to do it justice, but I'm going to share a few things with you this morning. But adultery is sometimes used in the Bible as a metaphor to describe spiritual adultery or unfaithfulness to God. Are you committing spiritual adultery against God this morning? Are you seeking after a relationship with the world more than you are with God? Are you totally... Faithful to God. I know in a marriage relationship, there can be challenges. There can be failures. And and praise God, He can bring restoration in those things. And the same is so spiritually. And I think James here is using these words to kind of shock us into realizing the seriousness of being unfaithful to God. I don't think anybody would take it lightly if their spouse committed adultery. I think it would cause serious conflict in the home. But how often do we make such light of it in our spiritual life? People get divorced. Listen, people murder over adultery. But I dare say that this week some of us in this room committed spiritual adultery. Because we sought after the things of this world at a greater level than we sought after seeking our God and walking with Him. Because of our selfish desires. In the Old Testament, God's people Israel tried to combine the worship of Jehovah with the worship of Baal. Uh, God commanded Hosea to marry a wife of whoredoms to demonstrate how wicked it was for Israel to try worshiping Jehovah and Baal. Hosea 1-2 says this, the beginning of the word of the Lord by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, go to, 
or go take unto thee a wife of whoredoms and children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredom, departing from the Lord. I can't imagine experiencing such a thing in my life. To be politically correct and oftentimes to not offend someone, the world says we need to be flexible or tolerant, even accommodating to sin. But James writes, you adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Have you uh, taken on and been satisfied with the way the world operates? Uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and all those things that, uh, that we're cautioned not to? Our selfish desires result in a separation or the consequence of, of those things or the conflict is a separation with our relationship with our God. Adultery. The word cosmos, translated here, uh, world, means the orderly arrangement of things. I thought this was interesting that I didn't come up with this, but I found this in one of the commentaries I was looking at. We get our English word cosmetics from this word. When a woman is putting on makeup, she's putting her face in order. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. It's just... But listen, are you satisfied with the way the world's going along? Are you content and buddied up and friends with the world? If so, you're committing adultery against your God. He's not happy. He's angered. He's jealous, and rightly so. We don't need to adopt the, the values of the world uh, that's dominated by Satan and uh, the world's order of things. Listen, as Christians, we must choose to live by the worldview or by the word view. Oftentimes we say a biblical worldview. Are we choosing to live for the culture or for Christ? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 30, it says this, He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. James goes on, for the sake of time, I'm going to try to wrap it up here in verse 5. James continues here to emphasize the seriousness of the problem by writing this in verse 5. Do you think that the scripture in saying the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? The carnal nature within us lusteth to envy. Our carnal nature wars contrary to the things of God. Our selfish desires cause conflict with others and God. I think we'll have to get to the rest of this next week, but I guess the challenge is this morning, are you totally unreservedly faithful to your God? Or do you have areas in your life where you're committing adultery? And I know for my marriage... Any area 
in a relationship that would be inappropriate with another person and my wife would be unacceptable. Period. Why do we allow that to be the case in our spiritual lives? Why would we allow anything to creep in and to create rifts in our relationship with our God and go along with our life acting as if it's okay? It's not okay. Listen this morning. If you love the world, if you're friends with the world, God tells us you're his enemy. We don't have time to look at it, but there's a cure in here later on in this chapter. Uh, Listen, it it simply is confessing your sin, uh, to say it in the simplest way. And so this morning, if there's something between you and your Savior, confess it, forsake it, cleanse your hands, purify your hearts, James says. Uh, Get those things right and quit committing spiritual adultery with our God. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you would take it and use it. Lord, challenge us to be a pure people. Lord, today it's so acceptable to let things go. The word of God still teaches us that you're holy. You're righteous. And Father, don't ever let us forget that we will give an account. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that would be unreservedly faithful to following you and serving you. And I pray now that you bless as we go into the morning service, that you do work in each and every heart. I pray, Lord, that you challenge believers to walk closer to Christ. Lord, and those folks that don't know Christ, I pray, Lord, that you do work in their heart, help them to see their need of a Savior. We pray that souls will be saved today. Bless now. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.